Welcome to the Survive, Scale, Soar podcast. Hear and learn through the success of others how to build the life and business you deserve. Learn to overcome failure, what it means to seek out growth, and how to become the best possible version of yourself. And now, here's your host, coach, entrepreneur, husband and father, and author of the number one best-selling book, Survive, Scale, Soar, Jeremy Williams. And welcome back to the Survive, Scale, Soar podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy. And the reminder, this show comes in two formats. We have Real Talks, which is just me and the mic sharing what's going on in the world today and how it impacts small businesses. The second format is Success Talks. And that's where I get to interview some of the top people in their respected industry. And they share with you what has made them successful on their journey. And today is a Success Talk. And I am honored to have Katie Cooper, broker and founder of the Home Sweet Home Real Estate Group. How are you doing today, Katie? I'm doing good. Thank you. And thank you for having me on today. Yeah, we've known each other for a while. Uh, We crossed paths back in 2015. And I I was thinking about that today. And I was thinking, wow, eight years goes by incredibly fast. Oh, fast. Yes, I agree. And Life just flies by before we know it. Exactly. I, I, I thought about that with my kids on this cruise this last week. It was, it's just amazing that we were sitting there thinking this may be our last spring break cruise with the entire family. So, Aww. Uh, yeah, so. I'm going through those um, battles as well with my kids because they're eight, 11 and 16 now. And it's just, I'm not ready for those life changes at all. Yeah, our daughter, our daughter is the same age, 16, and you know we're doing the college tours right now. She's driving, um, the independence factor, and all those things. I, I'm right there with you in that, in that boat, and it just feels like tomorrow they're going to be gone, and it's, it is, it is a struggle as a parent to, to figure out how to deal with that. For sure. So, tell me a little bit about yourself, Katie. Um. So. As you said, I'm the broker and founder of the Home Sweet Home Real Estate Group. Um, I uh, basically, I went to Sam Houston State University. Um, I got a business degree. I went to one of my professors um, towards graduation and I said, hey, what do you, what do you think I should do? I'm thinking about, uh, I was going to take a little time off and then I was going to apply to get my MBA or go to law school. And I had taken his entrepreneurship classes, several of them. And he said, you know, he said, I think you need to go out and do some type of sales or something like that. He said, your business plans and the different things that you did in this class um, lead me to believe that you would do really well in that type of an industry. And I was like, well, what do you mean? Like, like real estate? (laughs) And he was like, yeah, I mean, that's an option. And um, so we talked a little bit and I decided I was going to pursue it for a year or two. and just see how it went. And then of course, you know, if I didn't like it, I could always apply and go back to school like I had initially thought. So I graduated from Sam. I started real estate classes like the next month, um, had my license by the end, very, very end of 2005. Um, got into real estate and it just worked. So got into real estate, started my family. Um, real estate got, it, it, I, I enjoy it and it, it um, excelled well for me over 
it typically it takes an agent about two years, right, to get going. And that's that's about where I was. I was with I was um right in the in line with that. That's that's awesome. And obviously, from the success you've had over the years watching you, that was a great decision uh, to pursue real estate. Uh, Katie, you've been with a few national brokerages in the past, and you made the decision to jump. What made you take that step of becoming the broker and founder of the Home Sweet Home Real Estate Group? Well, becoming the broker wasn't a huge decision because I had the business degree, so I had the hours. And by the time I decided to pursue a broker's license, I had 13 years of CE classes and lots of experience. So getting that wasn't a big obstacle. It was just a matter of a broker responsibility class and um, taking the test. So that really wasn't a big decision in and of itself. Now, deciding to go out on our own, it was just kind of a series of things that happened with my team over probably a year period that what our ultimate decision was, was that we weren't getting value at the national brokerage that we were at. We were getting a logo, we were getting a reputation, but we had a good reputation. Um, we had a business name, but our brand, because it was branded like this, as opposed to a name, you know, we did start out as the Katie Cooper team, but that evolved like many things do in this business. Um, so we had a brand that we thought could be a brokerage. Um, and in the end, we just didn't see the value anymore. Like there was no, we weren't getting leads. We didn't have an office. We weren't getting any marketing incentives. We were paying for all of our signs and lockboxes and anything we wanted to do, we were paying for. And um, we no longer needed to pay for the, the logo. Like it just, it just wasn't something that we needed. Um, and with me being so close to being able to become a broker, that wasn't a big deal as well. So my team and I talked, there was just three of us at the time. We talked at the end of 2000, well, probably the middle of 2018. And it just, it evolved. And by the end of 2018, we were on the right track to do, to, to open it. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think that's the biggest challenge, especially with the, the big box brokers today. And even even with the independence, is making sure that the value is high enough that those that, that come alongside you to, to be affiliated with you, um, that there's no reason to leave. And so I see that, that challenge a lot, um, both in the, in the big brokerage, box brokerage realm, and then also with the independence. What do, you, what do you think is the biggest benefit or what benefit have you found being an independent broker? pragmatic thinker, Jeremy. So when I see a problem or I see that a system isn't functioning efficiently, I tend to want to fix it. And when you're working under another company, it's not always something that you can fix, right? So there's a lot of turnover in the industry, right? And um, I've tried to do my best at implementing different things to prevent things like that. And so- What do you, what do you think is the, the biggest, what do you think is the thing that you've done that has made the improvement in not having the turnover that the industry typically has? Well, I think that our agents understand that we um, genuinely care about their success. I mean, we're, we're a small brokerage, right? So um, we genuinely care 
we, we genuinely try to, um, you know, when we see a problem, we try to fix it. So, you know, there's different things, you know, I've read the millionaire real estate agent book or listened to it actually probably 25 times. And that's a great book. And there's a lot of systems that they talk about in there. And um, not every agent has the skills to implement some of that, if that makes sense. But what I've tried to do from a brokerage perspective is not only implement some of those things, but also some of the tips and tricks and ideas and um, processes that some other big teams use and um, coaches suggest, right? So when I see that something is working, then I will try to implement it at our office on a big scale. Yeah, it's taking, taking those, those skill sets and finding which ones work, which ones don't, scrapping the ones that don't, and right. you know, turning it from a level six to a level 10 on the ones that do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right. And you, what can, do you, what do you, you think? can continually adjust, right? Um, whereas if you're at a, a big model, there's some things you can't adjust. So. Yeah, the ship is too big and to steer it into a different direction or to yeah. change course slightly is, can be really challenging. Right. I mean, even with our small brokerage, one, one little change I realize is going to take six months <laughs> for everybody <laughs> to be on board. Yeah, I, I get, I get that at the, the macro and micro level. Um, mm-hmm. What do you think has been the, so we talked about what's been a great thing about being an independent broker. What do you, what do you think's been the challenge? For me personally, from my perspective, I had more challenges as a realtor working under a big brand because there was a lot of things that I wanted control over. I wanted to do that I wasn't able to do. So growing pains in a way, right? I mean, you, you gradually, sometimes you outgrow things. Um, expectations of competency. Um, you know, we have a, despite the fact that we can, we can implement all kinds of things to avoid turnover, there are some people that get licensed that you turn them over, <laughs> right? Sure. Because they're not making competent decisions for the consumer and the client. And so those are hard decisions to make. And I'm naturally a people pleaser. I'm naturally um, interested in leading a group to all do positive and happy things. And so in some cases, those decisions are hard. Yeah, so so with that being a challenge though, with you, with you operating on a, on a smaller scale and having the close connections that you do with each of your agents, mm-hmm. that's probably a little easier to correct. Yes and no. It depends on the other personality, right? Um, you, can, you can repeat yourself as many times as you're willing to repeat yourself, right? Um, but then it comes a time where, you know, I'm kind of a three strikes girl, like a three strikes leader. Like if you um, are continually making incompetent decisions, we're gonna have we're gonna have a problem. And I feel like that being the main leader of an organization, that's probably something that I have a hard time with. Yeah, and I, I think it's I think it's good to have those standards. Though uh, there's a lot of companies out there that don't. 
the let things oh, slide. Do. I think, I think for the all, almighty dollar, yeah. uh, yet I think you do have to have those standards and, you know, obviously mm -hmm. people will make mistakes and that's okay. Oh, yeah, of course. You know, the first time, the second time is no longer a mistake. Well, right? and if it's a repeated mistake, right? Yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, we get it that not everyone is going to come out of real estate school and be amazing, or not everyone is going to come from a brokerage that didn't train them and be amazing because we've had just as much of that. Um, we, we get that. It's that if we are offering the training and you're not coming or you're still not doing it right, despite the fact that we know you know how to do it, that it just, it just becomes problematic. And honestly, for the most part, we have not had that much trouble um, but in, you know, there has been cases where we have, and it's had to be, it's had to be dealt with, you know? And that's, that's what a good broker does, right? Even, even when it's challenging is being able to recognize those issues, which are most oftentimes choices that they make. They, they kind of make their own bed. Yeah. Um, they yeah, do. yeah. To be that and broker that makes that decision. We have a brand to protect. We're not a big brand, right? So we're not a big national brand that's been around forever. We have a brand that has to be protected because we don't want consumers um, on a local level to say, you know, those agents don't know what they're doing or, or whatever. It's funny because agents will come to our brokerage and they may have been in another brokerage for two or three years. And, you know, we'll sit down and do onboarding with them. And I'm just, and this isn't everybody, this is just some, but I'm just like, wow, like, I, I can't believe that you're like, you know, it's just, sometimes it's, it's mind blowing, but overall we, it's all been great. Again, it's just those handful of times that you're kind of like, well, you're like beating your head up against the wall. And, and this brand is important. I don't want just, you know, a hundred realtors that can breathe. I want Absolutely. competent, um, consumer, driven like I want them to make sure that they're um being competent in the community and that they have good reputations and things like that 100 percent I, I appreciate that how do you how do you identify and attract talent to your team well um at this point it's just been really good luck um Rachel and I started working together in uh 2014. So we've been working together for nine years. She is now our um, lead trainer and realtor liaison. Um, she talks to new agents. I talk to new agents. Um, she does some training. I do some training. Um, she's still in production. I, for the most part, am not in production so much anymore because the, the brokerage role at about 20 agents was too much for me to also still be doing much production, much more than one or two a year. Um, but she, um, so she was, I, I got so lucky with her. She's an amazing rock star. She's an amazing leader for um, this brokerage. Um, and then we have an amazing transaction coordinator that um, everyone just seems to love. And then we have uh, two amazing social media marketing pros that, um, that help out the agents with whether they're experienced or new agents, like with different things that they need to get going. Um, I had realized that we really needed to implement video in the brokerage and I really made a good initiative to do that last year and I failed. <laughs> so we're trying again this year and I have kind of 
giving that task to, to one of our agents, like you lead this, like you, you help me lead and lead and do the videos. So, and everyone, um, including our social media, they're all just, they're amazing. Now, as far as, um, recruiting talented realtors, most of our growth has been organic. Um, it's been word of mouth. It's been, um, they've seen our stuff on social media and they became interested that way. It's, um, one of the agents in the office bringing on, um, you know, talking about the home sweet home group. And then that person comes and works with us. Um, it's, it's really just like that. Like we really haven't actively went out and done, we haven't had any major recruiting initiatives. We don't cold call other teams. We don't other, other realtors. Um, it's just kind of happened naturally at this point. Now, I, I really want to work on expansion to other markets. And so I feel like I'm really going to have to address that question, right? That you've asked. And, um, try to decide like how best to handle that because that's going to be a little harder to do. Yeah, I think it, it'll definitely be something where you've got to be a little more purposeful and intentional, yet yes. I think your local growth, um, it sounds like, and you might agree, is that the, the talent that you have around you is naturally attracting other talented individuals. Yeah, well, it's the talent and it's the group camaraderie and it's just the fact that um, they see how passionate we are about their success because we, we do genuinely care and we want to make sure like, um, you know, there's a lot of things that we implement for them from a, from a brokerage scale that just really, I feel like makes their lives easier. Right. And so what I don't want to do is become the broker that is obsolete and not providing good value to the team. That's awesome. So the, the market is obviously changing up a little bit. I, I don't want to say it's necessarily shifted, uh, yet it, it may be moving that direction. Uh, definitely different than the COVID market, which is actually a, a hyperbolic market for us. Yeah. Um, yeah. What do you think is the most important skill sets that an agent, maybe they're listening today, what skill sets do they need to have in this particular market? Tenacity. I feel like in any market, um, you've got to have tenacity because every market has its own challenges. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, absolutely. If yeah. it's a, you go back to the COVID market is really, really good. There's a lot of transactions hard. happening, but you might've put in 20 offers to get, get a that was deal a hard, done. That was a hard market. Yeah. 20, 2008 was a hard market um, in its own way right? Regular markets are difficult in their own way. And then you have that type of market that just exploded that had its own difficulties. And so what I have told my office this year is, I think it's going to be easier. Like, you're not going to have to show a buyer so many houses before you're going to be able to get them under contract. A balanced market, and, and it's not even balanced. I mean, it's still very much a seller's market. It just isn't a seller's market on steroids like it was post-COVID. Um, but are we ever in a normal market? I mean, yeah. I feel like it's just, it's just always juggles, right? It's just, there's always something, right? So in this industry, you just got to be willing to just grab onto what you can and make it work, you know? So do um, you think, 
do you think a lot of the agents that kind of come in and maybe the market is easier and things are falling in their lap and when, when there is a slight change, you know, do you think it is the tenacity that causes them to leave, the lack of? Lack of tenacity? I think the lack of tenacity can cause a realtor to leave the industry um, in any market. And I mean, you have to be, um, there are so many, you know, people get into the real estate business thinking that it's an easy business. And it's really not. I mean, it it really takes a lot more. It's, it, it's not house hunters, right? Um, it really takes a lot more um, than people expect. And um, when I'm meeting with people who are considering getting in the business or who are about to be done with whatever, I'm very honest. Like I'm an open book. Like you're going to have your own challenges and you've got to be prepared for those or the failure rate's high, right? I mean- yeah. It's what, 70, it's like 80, 80? It's like 80%. One time I shared that at a, I went to a real estate school and was speaking there. Mm -hmm. And I shared that that statistic with the, the room because it mm -hmm. was the God honest truth. I get a call from the real estate school and I was banned for six months <laughs> because I scared everybody away. Yeah, I got, <laughs> I got in trouble but uh, for being truth. honest. Like yeah. you're, it's, it is the brutal, it is brutal honesty, but it is true because you have to get into this business. You have to know how to be a business owner. You have to wear any, any number of hats in one day. Like you might wake up one day and only have to wear a buyer's agent hat that day, but chances are you're going to have to wear a buyer's agent hat. You're going to have to wear a listing hat. You're going to have to wear a marketing hat. You're going to have to wear a, a negotiation hat. And then you're going to get back to your computer late at night. And you're going to have to um, be a contractor hat. Like, you and they don't expect that right and um but it's important that when you're getting into this business you really prepare yourself because you also yeah. have to be resilient because not only are your friends going to upset you over real estate transactions your family's going to upset you over real estate transactions your neighbor's going to upset you over real estate and you just have to you just have to look at your shoulder and you just got to knock it off and keep going like that's just what you have to do yeah, I always, I was always tempted to charge my family seven percent instead of six yeah. percent. Yeah, they were the they were the tougher tougher transactions. And then well, I was going to follow up. Go I ahead. don't work with a lot of family um, because I don't have a whole lot of family in this area. I mean, I have some. I'm a husband's family, and that that really hasn't been difficult. But there's been like other agents like talk about like family using other agents. Or like all the time in these realtor groups and social media, I was like, oh, my sister did this or my neighbor. And I'm just like, shake it off and move on, girlfriend, because it's going to happen. Like it's going to happen to the top producers. It's going to happen to the new agents. And it's just, it's, it's frustrating. Um, but in many cases, you probably did not market to them well enough in your database. Yeah, exactly right. Like I hear that all the time. You know, I didn't get uh, the listing that was next door to my house. I was like, well, when's the last time you talked to them about real estate? Well, yeah. I, I haven't. I thought they knew. Yeah. No, no. You can't, you cannot be a secret realtor. Um, secret realtor, secret agent. It's just not a thing. Like you have to stay top of mind um, with your database at all times. And um, my team, because I say that all the time, my team now, sometimes they finish my sentence. <laughs> 
but um, that's just how it is. You've got to say in front of them. If you're not saying in front of them, seven other people are, and it's just, it's going to happen. And so one of the things that we have implemented at our brokerage is, you know, like Gary Keller says in that book, um, you're supposed to touch your database a certain number of times a year. It's 33, right? No, Watson's in red, 33. Um, and we have those systems set up. Like you're, as a, as a experienced realtor, as a, as a, uh, average realtor as a new realtor, if your stuff goes in the database, your people are, they're going to hear from you, but um, you've got to do your part. Yeah, it's, it was 33. I think it's a lot more now. Um, you feel like it's a lot more? I, I think it's, I think it's in the range of closer to 50. And the reason being is just all the noise that you have to cut through today. Right. Um, you know, all the different social media channel platforms and all the, you, all the companies that email you know, the consumer and, and there's just a lot more, a lot more noise out there. And then you've probably heard this, this phrase, um, it, it came from, from a former broker as you're, you participated in, it was, you know, it's simple, not easy. And mm -hmm. I have to argue it's, it's not simple and it's not easy. You know, it's one of these businesses that I, I think there's so many different ways to, to lead generate today. And there's so much information being pumped to the agents that they're like, Oh, I'll go try this. And then, uh, they do it for like a day. They do one open house and they're like, yeah, it didn't work. And then they're Too many like, shiny objects. Too many Every shiny day. Objects. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so like, I'm like, okay, you like, you got to commit to what you're going to do with this and what you're going to do with this. And then sometimes they'll come to me and I'm like, okay, well, what do you think about this? And I'm like, don't worry about that. Like, <laughs> just do these things. <laughs> so um, I'm big on automation things. Like, HAR has that amazing home beat system that you can set homeowners up on where they get that free monthly um, automated community analysis. Like who wouldn't want that? Like that's so valuable. Like for anyone who wants to know what their neighbor's house sold for, they should be set up on that system, including everybody else. And that's what I'm sharing with my coaching clients now is like lead with relationship. I think relationship yeah. is key. And then find the support technology that gives value. Yes. And, and make sure that you're implementing that. I think that's going to be the, the way forward. Mm -hmm. uh, somebody's considering a career in real estate. And we might have touched on a couple of these things, but what questions should they ask themselves before they start down that path? Well, there's so many questions, right? So I feel like if someone is considering a career in real estate, they ought to get on YouTube for about six months and they ought to watch videos on there. Um, they ought to watch videos from realtors, videos from coaches, videos from um, leaders in the industry um, to really get a understanding of what it takes. Uh, well, and that still isn't going to give you an understanding, but it's going to give you more than what you're going to get if you just go to real estate school. Because real estate school, in my opinion, is a joke. Um, you get out and you absolutely still don't know what you're doing. Um, so you, you've got to understand how long it takes to really get going. I mean, heart, there's, there are success stories where someone gets into the industry and they just go and they do really well. But for most and for the average number of realtors, it takes a couple of years, you know? You've got to build that business. You've got to, um, you've got to get that database to trust you. You've got to learn your art. You've got to have your, you've got to work on your systems and what you're doing. And um, it's, it's hard for them to really go out and produce a lot whenever they really don't completely understand it themselves yet. And, you know, that's one thing that we really focus on is not just saying, go do this, but 
a very detailed list on how to do it. Um, so paying attention to what other people are saying, um, making sure that you are ready for the long haul, um, making sure that you have some savings or, I mean, if you're working part-time at something else, that's, that's fine. But most part-time um, or second career agents, it's difficult for them. Now, I've had a couple that have done very well at, with it being their additional career. But in many cases, that doesn't happen, especially if you have kids at home um, or you have family needs that, that prevent you from dedicating more hours to work, right? Um, you've got to make sure that you like people, right? Um, you can't get into this business and not like people unless you have, you have the funds to, and there have been agents do this, um, have the funds to hire the people to go out and be the people people and you be the business person, right? I mean, that's a possibility as well. Um, introverts don't typically do well in this business. So extrovert qualities is going to be helpful. Having a strong personality and understanding of business concepts is important. And being able to multitask and think outside of the box is crucial. Yeah, absolutely. And I always like to share my story with, um, I came into real estate, got my license, uh, joined Keller Williams at the time. First day, got a listing, secured the listing. Week later, contracted with the neighbor across the street uh, awesome. for their mother-in-law. So I was like, this is going to be a piece of cake. And then, <laughs> and then six months later until my next closing. And um, so definitely wanna be, you want to be set up and make sure that you don't have these unrealistic expectations. You know, it's typically your money is going to fall 30, 60, 90 days out from the activities that you do today. So giving yourself that time and to build that skill set takes a little bit yeah. of time. Um, you know, so not walking in with that, that unrealistic expectation is that's really great advice. Um, so the market, tell, tell us a little bit about the market that, that you serve in and, you know, how, how is the market in your area? So we are um, located kind of Montgomery, Harris County area. Um, we do have agents in Houston, um, but, that we, but we service like the entire area. Um, I would say our primary area is Montgomery County. So like the Woodlands, Conroe, uh, Montgomery, Magnolia, Tomball, Tomball's Harris County, but um, we do a lot of stuff in spring. We have an agent who's very proficient in College Station. We have several that are very proficient in Huntsville. Um, we have one over in like Splendora, New Caney, um, things like that. We do Kingwood, we do Humble, we do Cypress. Um, pretty much the entire Houston area. Now, it, right now it is pretty focused on the north side, um, but I'm sure it'll change in the future. And do you, do you see the market, do you see it a buyer's market, balanced market, seller's market? What do you see right now? I think we're still leaning more towards the seller's market <clears throat> in all of our markets. Now, has it slowed down? Yes. I think that'll help my cough. Um, has it slowed down? Yes. It's not a 2020 or a 2021 market anymore, um, but it's still a very strong market. And it, I think it's stronger than what 2018 was. Um, 
So it's still a strong market. You have all of these like um, people trying to blast that, oh, the market's going to crash or this or that. I, I'm not personally seeing that yet. Um, people are trying to say, oh, 2008, 2008, this and that. Well, gosh, our, our statistics, like the variables are so much different. Like it's, in 2008, it was, you know, people didn't have equity in their homes. People were in subprime mortgages. People were buying homes that they really didn't, they, they didn't qualify for that home. Like they didn't make enough money to pay that mortgage. Um, the market was oversaturated. There was too much inventory. And then the whole mortgage thing like erupted, right? So then you have lenders that are cracking down on uh, their lending and things like that. Um, in today's market, it's just slowed down. Like <laughs> the interest rates are still good. No, they're not. They're not giving you mortgages anymore, but they're still, it's still a good rate. And um, as long as, you know, and what I tell my team is, well, my group is um, you got to continue to educate your consumers and your database and your sphere on what's really going on in the market, because the news just tries to, to just make it so much different than it is. And, you know, and then it's, consumers kind of think differently. So we have to be the educators, right? We have to go out there and we have to tell them like what's really going on. And what's really going on is we had a crazy um, real estate market with super low mortgage rates and a movement of people because of COVID that they, I feel like everyone like after COVID, they just feel like they needed to adjust a little bit. Like they needed home offices. They wanted more land. They wanted out of the city. They wanted um, different school districts. They, there was just so many reasons why people moved after that. It was like, that was like, well, plus the interest rates. Um, but it was just like a light bulb went off in everyone's head. And because of interest rates and change, life changes and different things like that, everybody just wanted to move at the same time. And there just wasn't enough inventory. There's still not enough inventory. I mean, we still have a shortage of inventory. I think we had two open houses this past weekend maybe one open house and one sale, both right around a million dollars and they sold like within days. So it's still a strong market. Um, in fact, in my opinion, if I was a, a in the market myself buying and selling, I would prefer to do it today as opposed to two years ago because I have more inventory to choose from and I can negotiate things that I could not have negotiated two years ago. You can negotiate title policy. You can negotiate home warranty. You can negotiate off the price in some cases, especially builders. You can negotiate um, inspection repairs, things like that. You can do any of that in the, in the 2021, 20, 2020, 2021, 20, first part of 2022 market. Um, and so I just feel like we're just kind of at like a, like a jolt um, in the market right? Like, we're just kind of all like, oh, like, wait, like it was doing this. And now it's, now it's not doing that. But it's still very much moving, like the homes are moving, the homes are selling. Um, new construction, that's where you are going to be able to get amazing deals right now, because these developers and these builders have overbuilt just a bit. And so you are getting some, some substantial deals on that inventory. But as far as resale, you still have shortage of inventory. Oh, absolutely. Which is not going to cause a market crash. We, we bought our house while in Fort Lauderdale. Oh. Um, like we were sitting there on our bed and you know, our 
our agent was given a Facebook tour and we bought a site on scene uh, within the first two hours is on the market, full price, um, no repairs negotiated, nothing. Yeah. And, um, you know, in this market, you know, you would be able to negotiate more. So there are a lot of advantages, uh, you know, talking about interest rates, you know, my wife and I bought our first home back when they had first and second. So I bought, bought it seven, like and a half on the first and then 10 mm-hmm. on the second. Oh, yeah. And that was, it just, what it, yeah, that's what it was. And, and <laughs> we were still going to buy a home. So, you know, it's, it's just, I think sometimes we get caught up in these little changes, uh, yet people are still going to move for whatever reason they decide to move. Right. No, you're, you're totally right. And why would you be worried about paying a higher rate on your mortgage as opposed to paying someone else's mortgage? As far as if somebody's, if somebody's still leasing, why, why would you do that? Like if you have the credit and the down payment, um, and the job in the in the uh, income to qualify for a house why would you continue to pay on someone else's pay off someone else's debt that yeah. that makes sense to me yeah and there's like you could buy down points you can wait a while you can refinance rates rates mm-hmm. probably come back down at some point so there's there's a lot of different things that i, I think as realtors we get caught up on and say well the market's not as good or it's not as good as it could be when the opportunity is still there. I think it's better. It's better. Our sellers aren't having to go into six months of a lease to wait and find something. Like they can, we can get contingencies. We are getting contingencies. I think we have two um, contingencies for the sale of other houses right now. It's it's just easier. It's just an easier market for everyone. So think about that. That's, it's, it's kind of funny. Like there's, there's a couple things that are funny about this. It's like, a lot of agents I talk to now that came in within like the last three years, you know, we talk about open houses are like, they don't work. Well, obviously they didn't work they in that work. market because there was no time to host an open, an open house. And, um, we still did them. yeah. And, and, it's, they it's, and they work. We and, uh, open so, open houses. yeah. So you have a lot of agents that have come into these markets and, you know, you went through the 2008, so you, you have an understanding of what it could be and what it, what it's been yeah. and you just just you just make the adjustments in those markets right I got very well I won't say that I got lucky with 2008 but the timing of 2008 worked for me because I hadn't been in the industry long enough to really be too affected and when 2008 happened they did that whole uh tax credit so I was young at the time I was in my 20s and so it was that built my business right and so not all changes are bad. Some changes are very good because um, I was able to use that tax credit and get a ton of people in homes. And since then, they've moved up with my team or myself multiple times in some cases and amassed great equity in those homes that they purchased. I I mean, I want to just slap myself in the face every time I think of all the homes that I didn't buy (laughs) 16 years ago that, gosh, I mean, I can't even imagine how crazy rich I would be if I had the funds to buy some of those houses, you know, because we were selling houses back then for a hundred thousand that would probably sell for 230 today. Yeah, we have, we have a neighborhood um, in Kingwood where, you know, 50, $60,000 for, you know, three bedroom, two bath home, 1200 square foot, you know, now you could sell those 250 to 300. Yeah. And I was like, you know, what right. if I have 20 or 30, 20 or 30 of those, that would be awesome. Yeah. It's yeah. It, real estate is always a good investment. And I 
try to preach that to people. In my opinion, it's a better investment than a 401k. So do you, do you encourage that of your team members as well to, to invest? I encourage them to encourage it. Okay. Yes. Awesome. Yeah, it's, it's a big deal. We, we did our, actually our first investment property this last year and, you know, just looking at the amount of equity we've already achieved just in, in one year of, you know, the price increases, um, along with the rents being paid down, it's, it's, it's like a no brainer. That's great. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so I wanted, I wanted to ask you something that's a little more personal and I, I think it's important for the audience to hear this is that, you know, we all have, have challenges. Um, sometimes it's just a challenge in the business. Uh, mm-hmm. Sometimes it's challenges in life, which could bleed over into our, our business. And, and you have, you have MS, how has that impacted you and how do you navigate the waters of your business having that? Well, um, thankfully, 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 um, I have a very mild, um, form. I mean, there's only several forms, but my MS is very mild. And so I don't tend to have a lot of, um, problems with the disease, but I'm just kind of one of those people where I'm just going, I'm just not going to let it stop me. Right. Um, I just, I still want to go out and, um, I, I pretty much live life as if I don't have it about the only time that, um, the things that, that do affect me as far as my energy and things like that is if I get overheated. So as far as going from an agent to having a team to having a brokerage, uh, I'm glad I made those steps. Now, I wasn't diagnosed until it was before I had the brokerage, but I had the team at the time. Um, but I probably could not go out and do 10 hours of showing in 100 degree temperatures like that would that would honestly that may wear anyone out over the edge of 40 but um that would that would probably get to me but for the most part it has not affected um my business um but there's also amazing miracle drugs on the market now um in fact I go in and I do I go to the med center twice a year and I do my infusion and as long as because when they give me my infusion they also give me Benadryl as long as the Benadryl doesn't affect me too much I'm usually there working on my computer all day. <laughs> so I'm just that type of personality in that it, life has to go on and it's, it works. Yeah, I think that's inspiring because I, I know lots of people that would look at that and, and take an approach in life where they'll, they'll give up or they just won't go as hard or they, they pull back. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's, sometimes it's necessary. Yeah, there's a lot of times that it's more uh, a mindset thing than it is actually a, a physical thing. And uh, I think it's inspiring that you have that attitude of, hey, I've, I've got this, I'm dealing with it. Uh, I'm going and taking the medication that I need to. I know I know what can hinder me, so I'm going to avoid that. Yeah. And you, yeah. Just, and you just keep going. There are adjustments that we make, right? Diabetics have to make adjustments to their workloads and people who get migraines, they have to make adjustments. And again, I've been very blessed and it has not affected my life so much. And there are the, the drugs that are out today. Um, I may never have another attack, um, but I was also, when I did first get sick, I was very determined 
to find the answer. And I'm glad I did because so often, because MS is not treated as an emergency. So as long as they, if you, you may go with a neurological problem to the ER, but if they don't, if they don't think that you have signs of a seizure or something's going on, like with a brain tumor or something like that, they're going to send you home and refer you to a neurologist. And I was very lucky that I was able to get into a doctor quick, get the diagnosis and um, work towards a, a treatment plan. And again, today, in today's world, the drugs that they have are pretty amazing. That's awesome. Katie, you're an inspiration in that. Thank so, you so thank much. you for sharing that. Um, somebody's listening today and, and maybe maybe they're here in the greater Houston area, or maybe they're living in one of those markets you'd like to expand to. Mm-hmm. And how could they learn more about the Home Sweet Home Real Estate Group and how can they connect with you? So they can um, add me on Facebook, Kate Cooper. Um, they can uh, go to our website, homesweethomegroup.com that um, will have direct links to contact me. Um, and I would be happy to answer any questions that they would have. Awesome. Well, Katie, thank you for taking the time today. Uh, it's great to catch up. Um, I know my audience is gonna be blessed by the, the message that you shared today. There's, there's so many great nuggets in there, whether you know somebody's currently in the market or looking to start their real estate career, uh, maybe, Maybe they're in one of those mindsets, oh, the world is terrible and collapsing. And they, they heard some words today that might inspire them to get back up and just keep going. So I thank you for your time today and sharing this message. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Survive, Scale, Soar podcast. If you heard something that made a difference in your life today, share it with someone that might benefit and subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. Learn more about the host of this podcast and coaching services offered by Red Hawk Coaching by visiting www.redhawkcoaching.com.